Hey everyone, welcome to episode five of Disney Channel Original Newbies. I'm Joanna. And I'm Sam. And we actually have our first guest ever today on the podcast, my friend Courtney. Hey Courtney, how are you? Hi guys, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing well. Pretty good. Better after watching Z. So good. Do you feel privileged to be the uh, the first guest ever on this podcast? I am. I'm honored. And for a movie like Xenon, I couldn't have asked for more. This is the, I think, the only movie that when we've told people about this podcast, that they've asked about. Like, when are you getting to Xenon? Yeah, I've actually had multiple people reach out to me asking if they could be on this episode of the podcast. Despite the fact that we've never had a guest before, <laughs> multiple people said that they wanted to do this one. I think before we recorded anything, when this was just an idea. People were asking if they could be on the Xenon episode. Wow. So now I'm super honored because I beat out I beat out a lot of other potential uh, guests. So. so Joanna, have you ever heard of Xenon before? Only from you talking about it. Prior to this podcast starting? You might have. I think at some point when we discovered that I had never watched a Disney Channel original movie and you were like what about Johnny Tsunami what about Xenon Girl of the 21st Century and I said I don't know what you're talking about uh, that's right this is probably the two that stood up the most to me as a kid I would say and then Courtney I'm, I'm sure you've seen this one before right oh yeah this was one of my favorites this one and Smart House which I know you guys will probably get to down the road yeah I think Smart House might be our next one but I'm not positive I'll have to check yeah, so this movie came out in 1999, so almost there at the millennium. And maybe that's why a futuristic movie like that came out in that year, because they're very ant about the year uh, 2000. Do you think they were trying to give everyone hope? Like, it's okay, there's going to be a world after Y2K. We're all going to live in a space station. It's going to be fine. Well, it's funny because this movie sort of gets into, uh, not global, but like U.S. politics. We'll get into that, but... <laughs> it, it, it's kind of funny what this movie presumes in terms of technology and government and things like that on Earth, I would say. And I like how jumping way ahead when they are talking about all the issues on Earth, it's all kind of weather related and illness related. Yeah, no, not really wars or anything. <laughs> Maybe at one point they mentioned like self-defense, but that's really the gist of it. People sneeze on Earth. Yeah. It's disgusting. I just felt like when they were talking about all of those things, I was like, if they only knew, <laughs> like back then. <laughs> uh, so we open up, it is the year 2049. So a couple decades past where we are now. And we open on Xenon, the protagonist, and she's in her room and she really doesn't like getting up in the morning like a typical teenager. Actually, we open on a creepy doll in Xenon. <laughs> Oh, that's true. There is a creepy doll, which is in her room. It is in her room. Yeah, so she really likes making dolls, which doesn't really, I guess it comes up once, but seemed like it'd be a major part because it was the opening of the movie, but not really. If you just showed somebody that opening scene of just that doll and asked them what they thought the movie was about. <laughs> I could only it's a horror movie. Yeah, like, no, Chucky. And we're also not on Earth, because we can see the Earth from one of the windows, I guess, in her room. I don't remember, but we see the Earth somewhere, and we see that we're kind of pans out. 
and we're in a space station, which is where Xenon lives with her family. She has lived there since she was five? Yeah, I think she's like, she's a teenager for sure. Yeah, she's 13. All right, so she's been there about eight years or so. This is another movie similar to Halloween Town, where at one point Xenon says, I'm 13 and I can take care of myself or something like that. Yet in Disney movies, anyone over the age of 12 is a full grown <laughs> adult and makes adult decisions and <laughs> saves the world. I mean, once they're 13, they get a bar mitzvah or bar mitzvah anyway. So, yeah, they're adults. Do you think Xenon was Jewish? <laughs> I mean, her parents are scientists, so. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> fair. I have to say, when they said in the movie that she moved to the spaceship when she was five, the first thing that I could think of was. So she lived on Earth, and her parents named her Xenon while she was on Earth. <laughs> so I thought that was very interesting, that it wasn't like a space name that they came up with while in space. Yeah, I think it was a, it's more of a future name, I guess, than a space name. Unless they just like, we're definitely going to space. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, mean, I just felt bad for her at that point for thinking that she lived five years on Earth with the name Xenon. But... Whoa. What were the parents' names? I don't think I ever... Mom and Dad? Yeah. They must, have, they must have said their names. I just don't recall. It wasn't anything space-related, I don't think. I have it up here. Astrid was the mom's name. And Mark. Okay. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> you know a typical future name, Mark? Okay, yeah. very understandable. Astrid's a little too generic for me, so I don't know about that, but... They moved to the space station when she was five because they realized that they can't send their child to kindergarten with any like scene on. Space station. Well, she doesn't immediately get made fun of when she goes into a, <laughs> a classroom in Earth. So, so yeah, that, yeah, I guess they, they pretty much do it. She was it's the only option. Uh, yeah, so we have Xenon's parents wake her up for class, I guess. And they are both scientists, like you mentioned. They're studying bone marrow density, which comes up later, which is like their, I guess their purpose of being in the space station. And their research can save lives. Right. So basically just experiments on rats, which I know Courtney loves. That's my favorite. <laughs> she is, um, actually, I'll let you two talk about what Xenon's wearing throughout the entire movie. Um, she's wearing what I probably would have dreamed about wearing. When I was 13, <laughs> to be honest. Well, you are wearing the same two colors that she's wearing. <laughs> That's true. I wish I could say that I put this on on purpose. <laughs> I didn't. I thought it was interesting that she always had some form of pigtails in her hair. Yeah, like, I think that's just space hair. I guess. But then she also had those, like... It was supposed to be futuristic, but at one point she had those, like, um, Joanna, I don't know if you remember them, those, like, hair rubber bands that had the plastic balls on the ends. Yes. Yeah. So those are from, like, 1992, and she's supposed to be in, like, 2049, but she has these, like, old-school hair accessories. I was just missing the butterfly clips at that point. <laughs> They're vintage at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the uh, director thought that hair technology wouldn't advance much over a, uh, <laughs> a 50 year span. Well, they did for Nova because she had like the metal coils in her hair. And I would say the the musician also had pretty futuristic hair, I would say. Although it's not no technology based, but you know. <laughs> I would have said that he had 90s boy band hair. 
Yeah, but I think it. that's like I think that's like futuristic though, more than like today's hairstyles. I would say nineties is probably the most futuristic hairstyle. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Nothing better than a solid hair set of frosted tips. Oh yeah. It was, to get you going. It was perfect. <laughs> Xenon, we, I guess we know at this point that she is kind of a troublemaker. She's late to class perpetually. The captain of the ship knows her. Yeah. The uh commander Plank, I think his name was. Yes. Is that right? Although yeah. I didn't get a sense of how many people live on the space station because it looked like a very large space station. But whenever they show crowds, there are not a lot of people. So I don't know if uh, there are different sections of the space station and Commander the Plank only commands a section. I don't know how that works. I think it seemed like he was the commander of the entire ship. It did look like a huge space station, so there should have been more people. But I'm trying to think, like, at the concert, which was the first concert ever on that space station, it sounds like. In the 25 years? Yes, but they've been up there. Mm -hmm. And there was maybe 50 to 60 people there. So I guess there's maybe three to 400 people on the ship. Although there should have been more for how big it was. Yeah, it was just great graphics of the ship. So I think they just had to... To show that to the audience. The the graphics of the ship were like my... I had the least problem with the graphics of the ship. It was everything else that came up later where I was like, okay, this is definitely filmed in like 1999. Yeah, whenever they show any rockets taking off or landing from the space station is incredible. No, my favorite, which I'm sure we'll get to, was when, and spoiler alert, when Xenon was like out um in the spacesuit like that whole scene and they, they showed her not when well, they weren't showing her face but they just showed the body that would that was the point where i was like okay these graphics are something else they show like a reflection on her mask that she's <laughs> wearing but not they can't show her and the earth <laughs> at the same time it, it wasn't possible yeah <laughs> so so xenon gets the class we already have our first big actor in the movie where we see that her best friend is Raven Simone. Who just got married this week. Correct. Congratulations. Well, I didn't know that. Congrats. Oh, really? So they're all in class. The teacher for the class is a hologram, which I'm curious if the teacher was on Earth or if the teacher was just in the space station and just didn't want to go into the classroom <laughs> with the students. I'm going to say option B. So he was just there on the space station and couldn't go anywhere else. And it was like, no, nah, I'm not going to class. It was, it was yeah, teachers a holocaust. Lounge. It was a bit like pre-recorded, like in like Star Wars, because it was like interacting with the students too. Yeah. So that was fun. That was enough interaction for him. <laughs> so this is when uh, U.S. politics comes up for the first and only time, I think. Uh, the teacher mentions that Chelsea Clinton is now the president of the United States of America. Yeah. And he, mentioned, and he mentions that she's obviously the son of Bill Clinton, the former president. The son? Of the daughter, I'm sorry. Look at which, you. <laughs> my favorite part about this is that this movie presumes that Hillary Clinton never becomes president of the United <laughs> States. Because he would have said the daughter of two former presidents of the United States. <laughs> so if anything, this movie is very clairvoyant, I would say. Yeah, I, this is the third thing. Hillary Clinton not being president and issues with illness and weather. (laughs) 
They even they even hit the nail on the head with the fact that she favored the harvesting underwater vegetation as a primary source of uh, what was it? I think that's what they said that she, as president, favored harvesting underwater vegetation as a primary like source of well, like agriculture or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. Like oh, okay. Just nailing the future left and right. Watch this movie again. See what else we can learn about the years to come. Uh, and then during class. Xenon is not paying attention because she doesn't care, really. And she hears that Microbe, which is a band from Earth, I guess. I don't know how to describe them. They're like a boy band. Is coming to the space station for the first concert ever. And she gets very, very excited. She squeals. Causes a disruption. Causes a whole ruckus. And the teacher looks over at her and is like, what's going on? And she just pretends to be really super into U.S. politics. She loves Chelsea Clinton. Oh my god, she definitely does. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who would you rather be president, Chelsea Clinton or Xenon? Oh. Can we say uh, Chelsea Clinton and Xenon is vice president? That's a good one. Xenon uh, is 13 years it. old, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with it. And they also find out that the winner of a contest, which they don't really go into the terms of the contest, gets to go on stage with Microbe when, you, when they come to the space station. And dance. Right. So all the young girls, and probably some adults at the space station, and maybe some men too, who knows, they enter some contest. Which, again, we don't know the terms of the contest. They enter a contest to dance on stage in my group. And jumping, jumping to the end of the movie, there were approximately, I don't know, seven teenagers, young adults, on that space station, so really, they could have all been on stage. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's plenty of space. Well, they did dance a lot, so maybe there wasn't that much space for them. Taking turns over the course of the entire concert. We could spend probably 40 minutes on the dance they did on the stage. The <laughs> this is now a dancing podcast. We'll put up a video <laughs> on our uh, Instagram page of Joanna doing the dance for you guys, so don't worry about that. Let me come later in the week. <laughs> you can call and tell me to do that. <laughs> And we also find out shortly after they leave class that the CEO of the company who, I guess, funds the space station or owns it is coming to visit. And his name is Mr. Wyndham. And he owns a company and he's going to see, make sure everything's going smoothly to see if the space station is going to keep their funding going forward. Xenon kind of, uh, well, first she promises to behave herself. And then she has a run in with. Windows assistant, wasn't Oh, I have no idea what the assistant's Lutz, I think. I thought it was Lutz. I went back and forth throughout the whole thing trying to figure out what they were saying. Yeah, I don't think they say his first name. I think it's something Lutz. Okay. She sees Lutz trying to break into the command room. And she doesn't like it. Yeah. Which is funny because the first time she meets with Wyndham, he doesn't seem strange at all. He seems like a really nice guy. He seems like he likes Xenon. Doesn't really give off any indication that he's a, a weirdo or a creep or is, has any ulterior motives. Figured out that in Disney Channel land, any oldish man is going to be a bad guy, is going to be a creeper. Well, that's the same in reality, too. So that makes sense. Yeah. As much as so, much of strange dangerous situations. Life experience that's talking about. <laughs> uh, we were saying from her perspective, he didn't really do anything to make it seem like he was 
the look. Yeah, he likes winking a lot. He winks conservatively 50 times during this movie. And a 13-year-old, yeah. so maybe that's why. Yeah, that's, I agree. That was I got a little creepy vibes from that, too, the winking at the 13-year-old. Uh, I would also probably be suspect yeah, if I were for her. For sure. And then before Wyndham and the assistant get to the space station, they have, there's a conversation between some 13- and 12-year-olds where they talk about how everything on Earth is motivated by money. As Xenon knows that knows a lot about capitalism on the U.S., although she knows nothing about Earth at all. Besides that, she knows that capitalism reigns free all over the over the Earth, but they don't use capitalism in space stations, which just shows the future is socialism, <laughs> right? Yeah, if it works on a space station with twenty five people, it's got to work everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> and then after that's when Xenon, we talked about this previously, when Xenon goes into, was it a media shower? Or like a, it was like shooting stars? I don't know. It was something with like the sky changing colors. That's all I know. I, it, I don't know if it was a meteor shower or if it was something else. Yeah, so that's when she goes outside and she gets caught by, her dad comes in, I think, right? Yeah, he reels her in. Yeah, her, her dad sees that Xenon's out in space at, seemingly like 3 a.m., and she gets grounded for that. Yeah, except for the fact that, like, her dad was laughing the entire time she was out there. Like, he he had this, like, smirk on his face, like he was enjoying it. And then while she's getting grounded, he was even laughing about it, and they were, like, saying how great it was, and the mom was just sitting there like, all right, help me out here. Yeah, the dad does not support the mother at all in her (laughs) punishment of her child whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. The mom is the bad cop here. He's the cool dad. And then in that part, also, I have to say, I took note of the stress helmet because I would like to know how one acquires a stress helmet. Because after they were they were <laughs> arguing about it and she gets grounded or threatened to be grounded, the mom put on this, like, funky-looking octopus hat, and it turns out it was a stress helmet. I want one of those. Whenever I saw the stress helmet or they talked about it, I just thought about weighted blankets and that it's the same thing. <laughs> so the Uber wrote this just knew that that was going to be a thing in the future. Because there's no way weighted blankets were around before, like, 2015, I guess. Yeah, and the director definitely saw into the future and was like, weighted blankets are going to be a thing, so I need to go even farther than that. So we're going straight to stress helmet. Which looked pretty comfortable, so. Lights on and everything. I wear one. I don't know what the lights are for, to be honest. To know it's on? I don't know, because you're wearing it. You can't really see it unless you look in the mirror. <laughs> Yeah, in the future. Okay. We'll give it 20 more years. I do want to talk about Xenon's mom's outfit at this point. Uh, this is the golden outfit? No, this is the outfit where she's clearly just wearing a bra inside of her shirt. <laughs> I don't think I picked up on that. Now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. That's, that's really what I want to say. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for 90% of the movie, she was just wearing just like golden, but not like shiny gold. It was just like the grossest, like, golden mustard kind of outfits. It felt like that was their version of a lab coat. Yeah, because all the, I think all the scientists for the most part were wearing that. Yeah. Because the commander had some different outfit on. So maybe she was like, I need to get out of this lab coat, and I need to put something pretty on. I'm going to wear this, uh... Slip into something a little bit more comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) So is this the first movie where the protagonist has two living parents? I think that, well, we don't know if you lucky dog, if he has any parents or what the situation is there. True. 
Uh, no, Brick does. Oh, right. Yeah. This is always a character with divorced parents or a dead father in all these movies. But we don't know. We don't know about, like, Raven's parents or anything like that, do we? We don't meet any other kids' parents besides yeah. Xenon's. We hear a lot about, I guess it's Leo. His dad is the one that has all the codes to all the secret rooms. So we hear about his dad. Leo's just there to get them codes for everything. Yeah, also, Leo's dad probably should, uh, you know, change the lock on his safe. On his iPad. That's what it seems like they use. (laughs) Leo's the kid growing up that had a really good basketball, and you just hang out with him so you get to play with a good basketball (laughs) every time. If he doesn't come out, you're like, oh, sorry, Leo, we're uh, we're not playing basketball today. We don't need you here. And he's constantly just getting in trouble, and then no one cares. He gets caught doing the wrong thing. He's clearly the one giving the codes to everyone. It just kind of like, <laughs> never gets in trouble. He's Teflon. Yeah. Well, Xenon takes it all. Teflon Xenon? Yeah. Well, she's not. She's the opposite, I guess. Well, she's taking all the trouble for him. He doesn't get in trouble. Right. Xenon. She takes the charges for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is where we find out that Xenon made the sculpture for the contest. And what did Raven do for the contest? She wrote an essay. Oh, is that what it was? That's yeah, but lame. she's a Lunarius writer, so... <laughs> I actually wrote down all the space-related terminology that they use, Flag. like adjectives. <laughs> I had, yeah, Lunarius is the first one. I had Stellar, which is a pretty good one. Gaseous, Nebular, Nuclear. Lunarius a couple of times. They mentioned something as Megabytes, which didn't really make any sense. So there's a lot of terminology they use, which is... This isn't future terminology. This is space terminology. They say Zetasapetus a lot. Zetasapetus! 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 And we talked about this when we were watching it. I thought, I had no idea what she was saying. I thought she just said Zenus the penis. And I was like, that's insane to be saying in a Disney movie. Because it doesn't make any sense, first of all. So why even say that in the first place? I'm saying this is not under wraps, okay? I wish it was. <laughs> yeah, she must have said that at least a dozen times in this movie. Maybe more. Probably more. And I feel like it started off slow, and then towards the end she was saying it all the time. And then she was saying it to people, and they like knew what she was talking about. Like strangers. But she was saying it to that kid on Earth, and he was like, oh yeah, that's a normal thing to say. They also, she also said, like, major and minor a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and like, when they compare it with Earth terminology, which we'll get up to when she yeah. goes to Earth, and then their terminology, where he just explains what their slang is to her, which she never uses, obviously, but... No, no, moon slang, not moon slang. Space station slang is better. Than Earth, than future Earth slang. Yes. Yeah, so Xenon speaks with Wyndham. She goes into the garbage compactor to try to get like a um some like nylon or something to make a guitar for the doll that she makes she wants crafting supplies right and that's when she sees the helper trying to break into the main memory room which is off limits although you know could easily get in there but (laughs) she had the code totally off limits yeah Yeah, i guess she did the code thanks leah i thought that it was going to be a trash compactor scene like in star wars walls come in and she almost dies yeah That'd be cool. And that, I don't know how she was going to get out of it, but that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, so she stops the helper from going into the main memory room. They, I guess she just leaves. And the next day, 
she clearly didn't get much sleep. She falls asleep in class. And that's when the first time Wyndham winks at her. Yeah, after she met him for the first time, I think it was her parents that were, like, giving him the tour of the spaceship. I think that she described him as being smooth and oily. Like, that's how she felt about him. And I thought that I wrote that down because I was like, that is one way to describe a man. You never want to get described as oily. (laughs) That's my number one priority in life. Don't get called oily. And then this is also a very vital scene in the movie. It's the first introduction of some of the lyrics from the song that gets played at the end of the movie, where Xenon starts singing it to herself. And then her mom's like, I hate that song. And then her dad immediately starts singing it also, which is how we know he's the cool dad. That's a very dad thing to do. Anyway. My dad, I want to say 10 years after the OC started, one day it was like, Sam, you got to hear this song. <laughs> and he comes into my room and starts playing the Phantom Planet theme song for the OC. He's like, have you heard this before? I was like, yeah, for the first like eight years I watched the OC, Dad. I was like, where'd you even find this? Go, Dad. Here we find out that Xenon won the contest to be on stage with her favorite band. I guess it's her favorite band, right? They're like the most famous band, maybe? Yeah, but it seems like... Everyone just focuses on the front man. Yeah. So maybe she doesn't like the band, but she likes him. You mean, they only say microbes, so we don't know what his name is. His name is Protozoa. Yeah, they do mention his name. They weren't great with like saying what people's names were in this movie. I picked up on that because there were a few times where I was trying to like, you know, we've seen characters, but I have no idea what their names are. Like the parents, for example. But they say Protozoa about like 15,000 times along with microbe. Yeah, they say those a lot. And they also say Aunt Judy a thousand times. Aunt Judy. And she always refers, she doesn't say like, hey, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. First, second person, no matter what. She always says Aunt Judy, even when she's talking to her. <laughs> so then, yeah, we had them singing. Xenon won the contest. And now Xenon, on the heels of winning the contest, now decides that she, again, wants to spy on... Mr. Wyndham's assistant. Would we say his name was again? Lutz, right? Lutz. Yeah, so she wants to spy on Lutz to see what he's up to, because she doesn't really trust them, and she wants to see what they're trying to pull on the space station. This is the perfect time for her to do something that breaks the rules and could potentially get her into a lot of trouble. No better times. Right on the heels of <laughs> just getting in trouble and winning the contest, where the concert's in, you know, three or four days, and she, the only thing she should do is not get thrown off the space station. To go to the concert. So so she hides in the same main memory room. Mr. Lutz goes into the room. She sees him typing up something. She sees a little chip. Or what do they call it in the movie? A disc. A disc fall out. No, she she doesn't see it fall out. She sees it come out of the computer. He walks off with it. She tries to chase him, but the code that she wrote down in her hand gets rubbed off. So he kind of gets away. But he tries to put the, the chip into his front pocket in his suit, which I've never seen someone put something in their pocket, <laughs> except for, like, like, those handkerchiefs that you put up there. Haven't you ever heard of a pocket protector? Yeah, he, he's also part of the 80s. He was in uh, Revenge of the Nerds with his pocket protector. <laughs> so he drops the little disc, which we find out later on what it is. Xenon gets accosted by the guards in the ship. Because they find that she broke into the room. And they don't believe her when she says that she's following Mr. Lutz. Mm-hmm. 
think coming back to when Lutz is other when he's putting in his password or whatever, I think they use Windings, the font. I also have here Windings. <laughs> Very futuristic. Uh, and I also have here, this is my biggest gripe with the movie, I think, and it's my biggest gripe with most GPG movies and YA books, is that if she just talked to her parents at any point in time about what was going on before doing this, there would have been zero issues. She did talk to them. That was after she already got in trouble, though. She told them about seeing the assistant outside the trash compactor, and she let them know that she had bad vibes from Wyndham, and they didn't believe her. Yeah, but I think the bad vibes part was just, like, they were there for the conversation. Like, they witnessed what was going on there, and they didn't see anything. I guess she did mention that he was outside the uh, the memory room, so that makes sense, but... Yeah, so she tried. No one believed her. Yeah, when she, um, when she was in there and she set off the alarm for trying to get out when she forgot the code and they came to, like, fake arrest her... She was trying to tell them, like she said to the commander, that something was going on with them, and they just didn't believe her. She's like the girl who cried wolf at this point is the issue for her. Yeah. I lied about uh, someone trying to sabotage the space station before. I didn't get that vibe. Uh, I think also in this scene we see that, oh, right, this is when the commander tells the parents, hey, you have to punish Xenon, or I'm going to punish her. So make sure it's a really harsh penalty, or else I'll just take care of it. What did you two think the penalty was going to be? I guess you've already seen the movie, Courtney, so... No, but, I mean, it was how many years ago that I saw it. I immediately thought that she wasn't going to be allowed to go to the concert. Right, me too. I was like, there's no way they're going to send her back to Earth. That's crazy. (laughs) That's what I thought, too, that she wasn't going to go to the concert. I was like, okay, yeah, Disney, like, whatever. She can't go to a concert. That's the worst thing in the world. That's the real issue in this movie. And they're like, we're grounding you. She's like, yeah, I know I'm grounded. Like, clearly, I just broke into a... A mainframe in the in the shit. That's totally fair. Like, no, no, we're granting you back to Earth, which is a great way of phrasing it to make her not know at all what they're talking about, <laughs> and then giving her the worst penalty possible. So now she has to move back to Earth, which she doesn't have any recollection really of living there, with her aunt Judy, who, like I said, they mentioned twenty thousand times. They also mentioned, yeah, they also mentioned about Aunt Judy like a thousand times how much she hates space. Yeah, she's like afraid of everything. It seems like. Yeah. I liked Aunt Judy. I thought she was great. She was good. She was great. I think she should have been played by the blonde woman from Friends, though. Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> she reminded me of her for some reason. I feel like Lisa Kudrow would have loved space. <laughs> yeah, that's why they didn't cast Lisa Kudrow, because she couldn't pull off knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly possible. Wyndham gives a speech to everyone at the space station while Xenon packs to go back to Earth. And Wyndham pledges to give $500 million, and then they said, to the base. Yes. Xenon talks to... Who she talked to right before leaving? Nova. Nebula? Nebula, yeah. Oh, right, and she says, she says, et to Nebula. She quotes Shakespeare. I think also, just to back up for a second, that I think it was, like, right before when Wyndham spoke to the ship that Nebula found the disc that Lutz had dropped on the floor, like, outside of the recycle bin. Right. Because then she, like, goes to give it to Xenon at that point as, like, a parting gift. Yeah, Nebula makes this disc that holds information into an earring, which she gives yeah. to Xenon, and Xenon wears one gigantic earring dangling from her ear with no earring in the other ear, which was great. Also, I would like to point out that 
no one realized that this disc is some sort of memory disc. Raven didn't think to check this disc. Xenon didn't think to check this disc. They're just like, make jewelry out of it. And I would think that if there's a disc drive in the space station that holds this particular type of disc, that it would be common knowledge that this is like their equivalent of a flash drive. I also thought that by her making it into an earring, it would definitely mess up the disc, so you can't just use it anymore, <laughs> which they have no problem doing. They use it multiple times after that point. This future jewelry sound. This is... Yeah. Future discs don't scratch. You don't need your ears pierced. It's just, it just floats there. It's just magnetic. <laughs> yeah, they uh, take advantage of zero gravity when it comes to jewelry. And speaking of gravity, Xenon flies back to Earth with Wyndham and the assistant, which just adds, you know, definite weirdness. He winks at her again, and she tries to wink at him, which is hysterical for her. She just, like, blinks <laughs> for a while, it seems like. She has no idea how to wink. I thought that she was doing an obnoxious Oh, like an exaggerated version yeah. of it? That's possible. So he looked away, and she, this is her showing him who's boss. I'm going to exaggerate and wink at you when you're not looking. They get back to Earth, which is, again, amazing CGI right here with the plane landing. Like a, it's like a clear landing thing on the water, or was it on the water? So it lands on Earth, and Xenon says that she's not used to gravity, and she almost immediately falls over off of the spaceship, which made me think about how, is there no gravity on the ship? Like, there's clearly gravity on the ship they're on in space. Yeah, but I'm thinking about astronauts now, and they have to get used to the gravity on Earth, because even though there's artificial gravity on, on space stations, they still have to like exercise regularly and take care of themselves, and still the gravity on Earth is more than they're used to when they get back. Right, and they do exercise on the space station, because they do have stationary bikes, we know. Yes, they do. So they do have that, at least. And fake swimming. They also have fake swimming, yeah, which we'll get to. And when they leave the ship, that's when Wyndham and his assistant see that Xenon has the earring on, which is the disc. And what do they do about it? They do absolutely nothing. Let her walk <laughs> away instead of just grabbing it off of her ear, because who cares at that point? Because no one believes her anyway. Just let her walk away. Which I thought was a poor choice by the bad guys in this movie. Student doesn't seem to uh, be the best at taking initiative for these types of things. <laughs> well, the, the what seemed to, I think, like it was after her aunt, Judy, and picked her up. You see him at the very end, like, trying to, like, slowly run after the car, like, and scream, wait. But it was, like, after they were already gone. But I think at that point, Wyndham didn't know that Xenon had the disc. I think it was, like, a secret. Like, only Lutz knew that he missed. Yeah, I think Lutz was maybe nervous for Wyndham to find out that he's just incompetent. Because he might lose his job or something. But also, it might be even worse when, you know, the whole plan just falls through because he's too nervous to (laughs) actually do the plan. Right. Also, when Aunt Judy picks up Xenon product placement for Volkswagen, which is like not everyone drives Volkswagen, not the only Volkswagen in this movie. The only thing missing was like her aunt like punching her and saying like yellow punch buggy, no punch back, and then like 
doing it again when the, when the other one showed up later on. Like I saw that I was waiting for like some kind of joke and it just never came. And Zena just has no idea what's going on. Like I don't even know <laughs> colors. I don't know what cars are. Please stop it. I knew I was getting grounded. I didn't know I was going to get abused. Too. <laughs> and the first thing that they do is they go to a seems like a retro restaurant, which is mimicking like eighties and nineties, like an eighties and nineties diner. Which they definitely just did that so they won't have to make anything up for a future restaurant, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they could just go to a restaurant that was around at the time that they filmed the movie. It's going to make it easier and cheaper to do. I'm fine with that. And, and Xenon's very impressed by... Well, she's not impressed at first, but she's like, I don't know what any of these foods are. We only have fresh things. There's no artificial flavors, colors, anything like that electronically grown vegetables. Right, which is what you were, the, the water-based <laughs> products and things like that. And she walks past a group of kids who are probably around her age, and one of the boys at the table, do you guys know what the boy's name was? So this is what I was saying before. I was waiting for a solid, like, 45 minutes after this kid got introduced in the movie for them to say his name, and I didn't get it until, like, it was, it must have been like, I'm not even kidding, like so much later on where they finally said his name and it was Greg. Oh, I do have it here. It took like forever for them to come out and say his name. I just didn't know. We just, I just kept like considering, oh, the boy, the boy that likes Xenon. Like, what's going on? I'm looking right now at the cast of the movie and the character who plays Greg, his name is Gregory Smith. <laughs> is he your cousin? He might be. Hopefully. <laughs> I looked it up while watching the movie because I also didn't know his name. And I saw that the actor's name was Gregory Smith. And later you asked me what his name was. And I was like, oh, the actor's name is Greg. What's his character's name? That's so funny. I had to look it up too in the middle of the movie because I was like, what is this what is this kid's name? It was driving me nuts. I would love to see a movie where it's like a very, very famous actor and their character's name is the same name as them. Like Tom Hanks plays a guy named Tom in a movie. <laughs> That'd be so confusing. It would just totally bring me out of it. You just think he's like playing himself. Yeah. If in Castaway, his name was Tom, you're like, oh, Tom was a, <laughs> a FedEx pilot? Since when? Yeah, so there's a boy there who is looking at her kind of in a flirty way. There's a girl there. Again, oh, Margie, I think her name is. Margie. She also, I didn't know her name for a while. She comes over and tries to bully Xenon, and Xenon has some very, very quick quips back for margie i thought it was so funny because what margie said to xenon was that they had a bet and they said that based on the clothes that she was wearing that she either must be from new jersey or she was getting a jump start on her halloween costume and the new jersey thing i thought was just like absolutely hilarious it kind of presumes like states are just completely different from one another in the u.s at that point but also like what state were they in they never said it but obviously, they weren't in New Jersey. Yeah, I have no idea. Definitely I'm, New York. Yeah, I would say New York. For probably sure, New York. If she's making fun of New Jersey, then yeah, probably New York. Who else cares about New Jersey besides people in New York? That's so true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, she tries to bully her. And it seems like the next day, Xenon's in school on Earth. Yeah, and she moves fast. Yeah she, she, yeah, she got her enrolled. She got her set up. Hey, you're going to class tomorrow. <laughs> Enjoy. Best of luck. And we see that the boy Greg, or Gregory Smith, wherever you go, casual I call him, Greg's in class. 
Margie's in class. I think the other kids, too, that were at the table. Yeah, they're all in the same class. Are all in the same class. So they meet her for the first time. Again, the girl tries to make fun of her. She's not having any of it. And uh, she tries to fit into American schools. Or I guess Earth schools versus space station schools. Which she does a terrible job of immediately. Because <laughs> her name's Dina. Well, also her actions in the three classes they show her in. <laughs> I think was the first the first thing she did was in the pool, right? Yeah. So they there's like a swimming class during school, which neither of you had swimming, right? During class? I think it was like gym and like in gym they had to swim. I didn't have that, but I know that like other schools did as part of their like PE curriculum. Did neither of you have a pool in your school? No, but we had no. two gyms in my school because when they built it, there was supposed to be a pool and then they ran out of money, so they just built a second gym. Oh, that's pretty cool. They needed, they needed window. I pledged $500 million <laughs> for a salt water pool. <laughs> yeah, so they go swimming. and cl- It seems like Zidane knows what water is and what pools are. Maybe, maybe she doesn't. And they ask her, hey, have you swam before? She's like, yeah, I always swim in space. It's okay. And she jumps into the pool, or she gets pushed into the pool by Margie, and she immediately almost dies. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, 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 I never swam in water before. I've swam in <laughs> space before. Which is like, it's not like they said, hey, we're going to go swimming. Do you want to come? She sees the pool in front of her. And she knows she's wearing a bathing suit. She sees people swimming, and she knows she's going to have to swim. And the teacher is clearly asking her specifically so she doesn't die. Which she almost does, except she's saved by Greg. What a mensch. And then she yells at him for saving her. Right. Because she thought that maybe she's immediately going to be great at swimming after she's yeah. like 20 feet deep and had no chance of surviving at that point. They just didn't give her the chance. We have another scene next, which is making fun of the U.S. for using, not using the metric system, where Xenon... Think she confuses Fahrenheit and Celsius because I guess they use Celsius on her space station, but they use Fahrenheit in the United States. And she almost sets the entire classroom on fire because she explodes some what, beaker. What are those things called? Right? Yeah. She explodes a beaker because it's like triple the, the temperature it's supposed to be and just explodes all over the place. To be fair, we probably should be using Celsius. Well, for sure. I think we actually discussed this the other day. We did. So that's our second mishap. And was there a third issue that she had in class? No, I guess she was just getting made fun of in the first class, and that was it, right? The lunch, she had an issue at lunch. Oh, because she, she didn't have money. didn't have money. And she also tried to buy just a banana and an orange, which I thought was funny. Do you think she would have just bit the outside of the orange? <laughs> Are you sure? And the banana, actually. <laughs> used by the fruit, so maybe. Did you see the video that came out recently? I started on Twitter, I think, and it's a, like, chimpanzee peeling a banana, and then, you know, like, the stringy bits you get on the inside, the banana, after you peel it? Mm-hmm. So it also, like, is disgusted by the stringy bits, and also peels off all the stringy bits before eating the <laughs> banana. And it's like, we were so clearly just previously used to be monkey. <laughs> so her going to lunch presumes that her aunt didn't give her money, didn't give her lunch. It was like, nope, she'll be good. She'll find a way to get her own food. Gave her something, and Xenon didn't realize what it was because she didn't know that she would need money to buy lunch. Do you think her aunt gave her money and she thought it was jewelry and she started wearing it? <laughs> yeah. It's in her drawer. She's getting ready to craft. 
So yeah, and then again, Greg comes to the rescue, and he pays for her lunch. And I think this is when Greg goes over the slang with her, right? The yeah. Earth slang. Because he says something, and she thinks it's bad, and he's like, "No, on Earth, I think it's good." And she said he says something was macro, and she thinks mm-hmm. it's a bad thing. He's like, "No, no, 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 macro is good, micro is bad." <laughs> And also says viral is nasty and graphic is beautiful. Which I kind of get viral because of like diseases, but graphic seems like could go either way. Yeah, it could go either way. I don't know. And I think it's presumably the same day that Xenon goes back home or the ant goes back home with Xenon and they find out that her house has been broken into. And just stuff's all over the place. But the ant and Xenon realize that nothing's missing at all. And she thinks it's either just a total freak incident that someone just randomly broke into her house. But Xenon thinks it might be more targeted by Wyndham and his goon. Yes, but she doesn't know why they're targeting her. Right, because she has no idea. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. It's like, we know that she has this disc. But she doesn't know that she has that disc. And so... She's just assuming that they're going after her, but she doesn't really know why. Right. It seems like she just thinks that they're, like, trying to bully her at this point. You know what I think it was? I think also, like, when they first got off of the the jet when, or, or spaceship when they were coming to Earth when she rode with them, she said something to Wyndham after. She was like, you know, you may have fooled everyone else, but you don't fool me. So maybe that's why she thinks that, you know, they're after her because, like, they know that she's onto them. But she at that point doesn't realize that she has this disc. Right. So maybe they just wanted her to stop talking to people on the space station. Right. And that's like a maybe that's threatening way of doing it. But nothing was missing. And the next day they go to class again. Xenon's on like a 1980s computer. Although despite the fact that it's 2049. Computers even shittier than 1999 when, the, when this movie was made. <laughs> They're on the computer, and she's trying to log in to get information on... Was it Wyndham Corp? I forget the name of the company. It's Wyndham something. Yeah. And she's trying to get... Wincorp? Yeah, that was it. And they're trying to get information on the company. She can't do it because she doesn't know how to. And then Greg, I think, wants to try to help her out, but then just ends up inviting her to go to a horse ranch that he works at. I think she sees Greg typing really fast. And she's like, if someone can type that fast, they can certainly help me hack into this website. <laughs> and so she goes over, stuff happens, and then he asks her if she wants to go see some horses. So they go to the ranch that he works at where there's zero adults there. I also made a note of zero adults. Just a 13-year-old boy taking care of horses by himself. With Xenon there, who also has no idea anything about horses. And it's pretty clear that Xenon's afraid of horses. At this point, though, in the movie, I was just still so mad because he, like, introduces the horse. And at that point, we still don't know his name. So I was like, okay, so at least we have the horse's name, which was Pogo. But we still don't know who this boy is that's talking to Xenon. And I just kept writing in my notes, like, boy, boy, boy. Like, why did we find out the horse's name before we find out his name? It's funny because I don't even know when I found out his name. I just wrote his name in the margin where I have the word boy. And I have the word boy on, like, the third page of my notes still. So 
I was like so worried that I was going to come on here and say that to you guys. Like, oh, we never find out his name. And you're like, what are you talking about? They said it right in the beginning. But I'm glad that we're all on the same page. So they, the, I'll just say the boy. The boy and Xenon get on the horse. They ride together. Xenon sees the ocean for the first time. So I guess it might be New York because there's the ocean there. Maybe they're on Long Island. That's, I guess it is possible. Definitely possible. They go to the ocean, which is pretty funny because she says she sees it for the first time. But she also landed, when the plane landed, it was right on some sort of body of water. It's probably like the Hudson River. Right, right. So maybe it wasn't. <laughs> maybe it wasn't the ocean, but... Oh, wait, did this movie also presume Sully Sullenberger landing on the Hudson? <laughs> maybe. Wow, this movie's really clairvoyant. All right, we definitely need to watch this again. And all of <laughs> They, yes, yeah, so they ride the horse, and then they also, the next thing they're going to do, which Xenon's never done, is ride bikes. And she's like, yeah, basically the same exact thing as the swimming scene. She's like, yeah, I've ridden bikes before. They're all in the gyms on the space station. Don't worry about it. A second later, falls and smashes her face on the ground. <laughs> oh, I've only rode stiff stationary bikes before. Like, what is, she, what is she thinking at this point? She's thinking like a 13-year-old girl. And then they go to a new restaurant, which we've never seen before. And oh no, I'm sorry, it's the same. It's the same retro diner that they went to the first time. It's the only restaurant in town. And the boy was there the first time too, so they both have been to this restaurant <laughs> twice in like two days. Well, she didn't eat there. They left. Oh right, they did leave. Yeah, so because, she yeah. not pizza. Right, so she orders every single thing on the menu, and immediately burns her mouth on onion rings. Was it an onion ring? Oh, okay. And she, yeah, she immediately burns her mouth with an onion ring, which also made me think, do they not heat up foods on the space station? Even if they do, she was really such trying. It's like when you really want pizza, so you just go for it, and you don't wait for it to cool down. Yeah, like who hasn't burned their mouth on an onion ring before? Yeah, I guess that's fair. Point taken back. And while they're out to dinner, she sees Wyndham's helper. I thought was, like, that part was so random. Like, it was so unnecessary for him to just pop up for 30 seconds or, like, two seconds to stare at her, and then that was it. Yeah, why couldn't the writer of the movie just let them have their date in peace and eat right. cool foods together? They, yeah, and then after they leave dinner, they go, is that when they get caught in the rain, or is that later on? They, like, go to some, like, water, some body of water again. And then she says something about how her legs are super white and, like, glow in the dark. And then he makes some, like, creepy comment about how her legs are great or her are fine. And that's when they start talking about the um, disc. That's when they figure out the disc when they're, like, sitting by the water. Right, because he's Sherlock Holmes and realizes. And she remembers exactly what she did when she was talking to right. Wyndham and the helper. She's like, yeah, I was talking to both of them. And then I brushed my hair back. And it's like, <laughs> how would she ever remember that? She better that a hundred times during the movie. I thought it was great that he, like, hacked into their system in, like, 10 seconds. And didn't he, like, he didn't tell her about it until after, like, a while after he did it, right? iPad. Yeah. Whatever her iPad was. And he was, like, looking at annual reports, I guess. Like, he said there were some secret forms and data reports. And then that's when they find out that they didn't have any money. That Wyndham was just out of money. Yeah. And while they don't completely go into what the plan is at that point because they don't know about the virus yet they f- are still trying to figure out they're trying to like oh why if Wyndham has no money why would he pledge 500 million dollars to the space station 
So they're trying to end up all the inaccuracies and things that don't really make sense. They do figure out that he wants to build the space station for the insurance money. Right. Yeah, I think this whole movie takes place over a week, maybe. No, because at one point when she gets sent to Earth, or I think she's talking to Margie at some point, and they said that the concert was like in a month. Oh, was it a month later? Yeah, so I think that she was there for a while, like a little bit longer than it seems like, because they make a comment like, she's like, oh yeah, I'll get back there in time, it's still like a month away, and then I think at one point they're like, oh, it's two weeks away, so I think they were kind of like counting down, but it does seem like it takes place in like three days. Yeah, things go by very quickly, and at the end of their date, they get back to Aunt Judy's house, which I have an Aunt Judy, by the way, which I really enjoyed. Uh, They end their date... And unfortunately, Greg does not get his kiss at the end of the date. Do you think she was nervous or because she grew up on a space station? She never watched teen movies, so she didn't know end of date protocol. I think that it's definitely not the first thing because I feel like she's definitely not nervous about anything. And if anything, she's the most forward person at age 13 I've seen in my entire life. Because it's something that happens later on in the movie. When they do eventually kiss. Yeah. Well, by that point, she has watched a tea movie. Yeah, oh, maybe that's what she did that night at Aunt Judy's house. At this point, I think it's the next day or a couple days later. Again, not very clear. Gregory, Margie, what was the friend's name with the glasses? Andrew. Oh, no, he doesn't have glasses. Never mind. Andrew. You're thinking about Holes. Yeah, Holes is also such character. a great movie. Xenon are all together, and they're yeah. trying to figure out how to... They're trying to figure out what the disc does, how to get into the disc, and what it actually does, and what's on it that the bad guys are looking for. Apparently, they're all just good at hacking, except for Margie's completely useless and does absolutely nothing of any effort whatsoever. There's a good shirt on. What was her shirt at the time? She's wearing a cat shirt. It was like a cat with lasers, right, or something? I think so. Are you going to buy that shirt? I already own it. (laughs) Well, she also says at that point that the only thing she cares about is keeping Xenon away from Greg. Right. And she thinks that she's Greg's girlfriend, which is, Greg makes it very clear that she (laughs) not only isn't her girl, his, his girlfriend right now, she never was his girlfriend and never will be his girlfriend. And she takes that in stride. She she could change his mind. (laughs) And she totally takes that in stride. She's like, all right, that's fine. I'm still going to hang out with you guys. Definitely took it better than I would have. So, yeah, so they're working on the computer. And after everyone leaves, I think the friend who's trying to hack into it falls asleep and is woken up by some weird graphic that comes on the computer. It's like an egg that hatches and like a little worm comes out, which is how worms are born from eggs. And (laughs) it starts just eating up the computer and the computer physically just overheats and explodes i really like future graphics it was amazing it looked like that book uh the caterpillar book you read as a kid (laughs) yeah that's basically what it was because it does eat the computer too that's true and that's how they figure out that the computer has a thing called a nanovirus and that the computer is going to, or I guess the virus is going to blow up the space station if it's allowed to stay in there for so long. And the only reason it hasn't blown up yet is because it's such a big computer there that it has to take some time to actually physically explode it, it sounds like. And right, so we know that the nanovirus is now going to try to blow up the space station, and 
the kid who hacked into the computer and figured out what the nanovirus was, he makes a counter to the nanovirus, which is on the same disc as the nanovirus. Or same looking disc, it looks like. They call it an undo disc. Right, but I think that's a scientific name. Yeah, I was going to say, very technical. Yeah. It's not an antivirus. It's for <laughs> sure not antivirus. It's an undo. Well, at this point, they can't block the virus. They have to undo it. It makes sense. And Xenon finally takes my advice, and she talks to her parents about what's going on and how everything's going to fall apart in the space station and how they need to bring her back because she has the undo. <laughs> <laughs> she has the undo disc, which obviously everyone knows what that is. And they have to let her back up, and they don't believe her for a second. Which Courtney and I already pointed out, they already have a history of not believing her. And she already told them. At this point, they hang up the phone with her, and the ship is, like, flying back and forth. The lights are flashing. Like, she's telling you that this is going to happen, but you don't believe her, even though you're going through it. And then they said, like... How does she know? Did you tell her? Are, are, do we have a leak in the ship? Like, are they telling the news? It's like, no, she told you, like, exactly what's happening, and they still don't believe her. So they, uh, again, girl who cried wolf is the uh, the issue she's having at this point. And didn't Andrew have to do something with her iPad so that she could call her parents because she was blocked? Yeah, she was blocked from talking to anyone besides her mom and dad. Okay. Because she tried to talk to Nebula at one point, I think, and they it wouldn't allow her to go through. Right. I knew that, but for some reason I thought that she couldn't call anyone on the space station. And I was like, that's that's harsh. No, no, no. It was to her parents. When she's in her bed at Aunt Judy's house, she says, oh, I can't call Nebula. All right, I can only call my parents. And I mentioned like an offhand comment at one point. And this is when I didn't really get this plan at all because it doesn't make any sense. Xenon, well, I guess the helper goes to Aunt Judy's house and sees Xenon with the boy, I think. I think Greg's there, too. We'll call him, we'll call him the boy. <laughs> and Xenon offers to give the helper the disc back in exchange for a ride back to the space station. And did she expect that plan to work? No, I don't think so, which is why she gives him a fake disc. Right. But even if it was a fake disc, did she expect it to work with a fake disc? Maybe she was just trying to, like, get him off her back for, like, five minutes. Okay. And maybe she was like, well, I don't think it'll work, but what if it does? What if I do get a rye shaft? That'd be cool. And I think my favorite part of this scene is they're like, you know what? The helper's not going to go through with it. You have to sign this piece of paper <laughs> to make it definite that Xenon's allowed to go back. He's like, all right, fine, I'll sign the paper. What could that paper have possibly been that gets her a ride back? It was a contract, Sam. Yeah. Bargaining consideration. Long notepad that, like, like, and from Blue's Clues. It was like a little, little thing with, like, a rings <laughs> on top. True to being 13 years old thing to do be like you have to write it down so if you write it down you're committed but i think what i liked most was that he wrote it down like yeah this doesn't matter but then he takes it like it does matter <laughs> he's going along with the fact <laughs> that that paper means a lot that that paper you can't you can't go against it you can't breach <laughs> it that piece of paper means everything right there yeah so their logic i feel like that was a 13 year old thing to do and then 
I also wouldn't be surprised if he was like, ha ha, I had my fingers crossed the whole time. It's basically, it's basically that exact thing happening. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're trying to blow up a space station. I will definitely let you go back to foil our <laughs> entire plan. Don't worry about it. So then we find out immediately that he lied because he takes the paper back. And then I think Greg wasn't it on it, or maybe the friend wasn't it on it. They're like, whoa, why'd you give him the undo thing? He didn't let you back to the space station. She's like, don't worry about it. It's a fake disc. I, ma- I made, like, thousands of them. With nail polish. And then at this point, I think this is when Xenon talks to Raven, or Nebula. We'll call it Raven, because it makes it easier. Xenon talks to Raven, and Raven's going to try to help her get back to the space station. Right. She's going to look up the shuttle schedule. Right, because they're looking for storage ships that will fly back. So then Xenon could kind of just hop on one of the storage ships, which I think was kind of, I guess this part just kind of like killed 15 minutes because she doesn't eventually go on the storage ship. I think that they needed a way to show that she was trying to get back, but they also needed something to bridge the gap between her going on the micro ship. So, like, they just needed, like, this was the first step, and then going back with my probe was the second step. And I think it's the same night, or it's the next morning when Xenon's hanging out with Greg and all his friends, when she tells Greg to kiss her. It's that night, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so Xenon's the most forward ever, and goes to Greg's like, just kiss me, come on, and go for it. And... He tries to do it the first time, and they bang heads or noses. Yeah, they miss. So they don't connect the first time. And then they try a second time, and then someone else comes over and stops them, right? But not on purpose, but... Yeah, they just interrupt. I think her phone rang. Oh, okay, that may have been it. Yeah, so they try to kiss twice and just physically are unable to do it the first two times. (laughs) And this is when we find out Zena misses her shuttle, and... I think it was Margie. He, this is where Margie contributes the only time in the entire movie. She tells Xenon, hey, isn't that boy band going up tomorrow? Why don't you just hop in with the micro gang and fly up with them in their space shuttle? She was like, oh, wow. Never thought of that before. Thanks, Margie. The biggest concert of my entire life. I totally forgot it's tomorrow. Do you think they were showing the concert on Earth? Like, via film? Or, like, live streaming? I think they live stream it in 2049. Yeah, they don't have film? No, no film. We don't go back to film 25 years from that? So that's the new plan, is that Xenon's going to go up with Microbe. Uh, There's no real set plan how they're going to do it, but she's going to go for it, because that's the last hope, really. They go to where the shuttle's taking off. There's, like, a press conference where they introduce Microbe again. And to all the cheering fans that are there to kind of send them away to the space station to their impending death. And I like that there's a newscaster there kind of announcing, oh, micro, they're going to the space station, first concert. There are dozens of fans here. thought there would be more fans. Yeah, they're like the mm-hmm. biggest band in the world, presumably. In the universe, potentially. Yeah. Xenon and all of her kitty friends at this point they go to where the shuttle's going to be taking off. 
they either get stopped by security and just don't care and drive right through. It's like a glass barrier. So Xenon is able to just, they just drive past. I think at this point is where Greg and Xenon finally kiss for the first time, which is adorable. They have a little smooch action, which we had to rewind. Yeah. Because we both missed it somehow. But like, did they just kiss? Like, I heard something, but I wasn't really sure. And it's like the smallest peck of all time, which makes sense for a Disney movie with 13 year olds. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. You cried. <laughs> Sammy said you wouldn't talk about that. Sorry, you had to. Xenon then speaks with Protozoa as the main guy, right? She speaks with Protozoa. And he seems kind of not like she. he knows what's going on, really. Like, she kind of pretty clearly goes through, like, I won your contest. Here's the doll I made. And he's kind of, like, slow to catch on to what's going on, which was a little weird on his part. I don't think he believed her at first until he realized that, like, her picture was on the doll. And he was like, oh, that is you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. Because they do zoom in on the picture of her. And he looks at it, and then he looks at her. So, oh, that yeah, looks exactly like you. I'll take your word for it. Why are you on the space station? You're supposed to be there. <laughs> the guards come over, because they they're told by the company to stop Xenon, because she's the only person that knows what's really going on. And the guards come over to Protozoa, and Protozoa's like, no, 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 no. Don't listen to your boss. Do you guys really want to... Don't you guys want to be rock stars like me? They're like, yeah, we want to be rock stars. Yeah, we're cool. And to prove it. He, like, loses at the tie. He just loses his tie for, like, two minutes. <laughs> it probably immediately got fired. <laughs> Sam, he does not tighten his tie again. Shows how rock and roll he is. And they're like, all right, you're right. Let's let Xenon go. And Xenon gets on the ship with... Protozoa and the rest of the band. And before that, I think this is where it becomes more clear that the plan, like you were talking about before, but the insurance, the plan was to send Protozoa up to the space station as a smoke screen for them blowing up the, the space station. It doesn't seem like they would need a smoke screen to blow up the space station. That was just my thought. Russell, who are they distracting? The people on the space station? I think that their goal was to blow up the space station to have a smokescreen to cover up any corporate wrongdoing back at Rincor. So they were like, if we blow up the space station while Microbe is on it, no one will be thinking about what's going on back at home with like, because they were poor. And I guess there was like some wrongdoing with their finances. So I think that their whole thing was to like blow up the spaceship while Microbe was on there to distract everyone from like their like, whatever else they were doing wrong. So, like, we'll, we'll our only invest in, investment, seemingly, will blow up this multi-billion dollar space station <laughs> with potentially the most famous rock star on all of Earth on the space station <laughs> so people don't see that we are broke. Yeah, we don't want that bad PR of being broke, so we'll take the bad PR of just blowing up our space station. It's a genius idea. I don't know why I didn't, I didn't think of it sooner. <laughs> Taking notes. So Xenon gets in the space station, the space station, the ship with Protozoa and the band. And right before the doors close, I think the ant gets in too with Xenon. And right before the door closes, Wyndham and the assistant get in, but they get pushed back. When the, when the ship takes off, they get pushed back into like the separate like storage room, it kind of seems like. Yes. 
Also amazing how so many people can just run on a rocket ship right before it's going to launch. Zero security for this rocket ship. Yeah. So they take off. They get to the space station with Wyndham and the assistant stuck in the back room. Immediately upon getting into the space station, well, everyone's freaking, everyone's freaking out in the space station because alarm's going off, the power's going on and off. Uh, Protozoa gets on to like, hey, Protozoa, sorry, all of our power's going off immediately getting on here. We'll take you to, <laughs> yeah, we'll take you to where you're supposed to go. And also immediately we find out that Commander Plank is very enamored by Aunt Judy. So there's a nice little relationship budding right there. And Judy's awesome. So is Commander Plank. Body like a blueberry. <laughs> Commander Plank, that is. Not Aunt Judy. Uh, yes, the power's going on and off. The commander kind of breaks up a fight between Xenon, Wyndham, his assistant. Because Wyndham and the assistant are saying, oh, Xenon's the one that messed up the ship. That's why she was in the room. The commander's like, whoa, whoa, whoa we'll separate you guys. Xenon going to, I think he's to his office, right? Yeah. Xenon going to my office. I'll bring Wyndham and the other guy elsewhere. And we'll figure out what's going on. So now Xenon's stuck in the commander's office with the undo disk. And she can't really get to the computer in time. Because, no one's, again, still no one's listening to what she has to say at that point. <laughs> and they're realizing they're going to die in the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, they, yeah, they even say, like, oh, we're definitely going to explode. Because even if she was lying, and they, even if they think that she was the one that's breaking the ship, wouldn't they still let her try to fix the ship at that point? She's not going to make it worse. It's already going to explode in a couple minutes. And why would they think that she wants the space station to explode? I mean, she clearly loves living there. Her family's there. All of her friends are there. She's given no indication that she bears any ill will to the space station. I would go as far as to say she's the person that loves the space station more than anyone else <laughs> on the space station. So it for sure doesn't make any sense at that point. But but alas, that's it's movie magic right here. Adults, they're the worst. So eventually, Nebula, or Raven, gets to the commander's office, and she helps Xenon get out of the office. Mm-hmm. Using the air vents, typical. Xenon goes over to the m- main memory room, where all the shenanigans went down in the first place. And everyone's in there. Commander's in there. Her parents are in there. I think Nebula might be in there also. Everyone's just trying to freak out to try to enter passwords to try to fix it. And do we under, do we know how Xenon found out the password? It was, yeah. I think that she just has a bad memory. Because I think it goes back to, like, when she had the code to get out of the room on her palm in the first place. So I think it was, like, her trying to remember. And then eventually she just, like, guessed the right one. And it worked. Yeah, because that, that was... Going back to when she forgot the password written in her hand, it was like four numbers. It was so numbers. simple. And this was like hieroglyphics, but like <laughs> 20 characters. It would have made more sense if they had, when she was on Earth, they would have been like, we're going to teach you how to hack. But they don't. She they yeah. do everything. Maybe the kid who found the nanovirus knew the password, and that's how you hacked into it or greg had it i don't know it's not very clear but just as we know it unfortunately she doesn't get the password done in time and and the entire spaceship explodes everyone dies 
the end. Which is probably the saddest Disney movie I can remember. After The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> that and Marley and Me were up there, but I think this is this is number two on that list. And, of course, they don't actually die. Um, at, at the last, less than, less than a second left, it sounds like, she finally puts in the right password. And do they put the disc in? They do, right? They put the disc yeah. in first and then put in the password. So they put the disc in, they put in the password, and the virus is stopped. And everything's back to normal immediately. There's no other issues with the ship anymore. Everything reverts back yeah. to normal. It's fine. We're fine here. We're fine. As if nothing happened in the last week and a half of the uh, the virus eating through all the files on the space station. physical damage to the ship. Oh, absolutely. No one cares at this point. All the animals probably died already because of the, the gravity messing up and things like that. But, you know. Yeah. And they don't waste a second getting back to normal because then after the commander has the two of them arrested, the helper and Wyndham, uh, well, first of all, when, when he has them arrested, it's like, what's the woman's name that was arresting them? It wasn't the mother, was it? It was just some other... Yeah, it's just like the co-pilot or something. Yeah, some other woman comes there and she doesn't do anything. She just like looks at them with like a disappointing face. It's like, is that how they arrest people on the space station? I just don't, I also just didn't understand this part because, first of all, it's unnecessary. But also, you want to, like, arrest the guy whose ship it is for trying to blow up the ship. So it's his company. Like, where are we, where do we go from here? <laughs> like, right. he's, like, wh- wh- what happens now? I just didn't understand. Because first of all, he's the one funding it. Right. And- it's not like he had money and didn't want to give it to them. They don't have any money anymore. So who's going to fund the ship at this point? That's a problem to figure out after the concert. Do you think the second Xenon movie, they go into the, yeah, maybe the financials yeah. of, of the spaceship? <laughs> it's a lot of, it's very accounting heavy, this next They movie. just did a fundraiser. She sold some candy, <laughs> dollar bar. <laughs> they, they have Space Girl Scouts, and it's, it totally worked out. And they also sell the signature earrings. Oh, that'd be cool. She's a ton of them, so yeah. might as well. <laughs> so the commander and the assistant gets... Oh, not the commander. The um, Wyndham and his assistant gets arrested. And then we cut right over to the concert, the Protozoa concert. And, wait, what's the band's name again? Micro. Micro. The Micro concert featuring Protozoa. He gets on stage. We don't see any other songs besides the main song, right? The only song you need. Of course, come on. <laughs> and I would say from when I watched this kid, as, when I watched this movie as a kid, this was the pretty much only part of the movie I remember was this <laughs> song. Because of how fantastic it is. It is pretty great. It's very catchy. And so before Protozoa starts singing, he tells everyone that Xenon had two requests for the song that he's going to perform. The first is that the song is dedicated to Greg. Her, her boy on Earth. I don't think their relationship is last. Seemingly the first time we find out his name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very long distance relationship. <laughs> and he and he's watching the concert via her communicator, it kind of seems like. Yeah, but she puts it on the stage. So he's just looking at the ceiling. He hears it, though, which is the <laughs> important part. He misses out the incredible dancing, but he hears the he hears the song, at least. He hears the concert and all the screaming, but he could just listen to this on the radio. That's pretty much every Instagram story that anyone ever posts from when they're at a concert <laughs> now. 
a cool 40 minutes of just hands in the air. Perfect. <laughs> and lighters, like cell phone screens. The, so the song starts before he even says what the second request was. And again, incredible song. You should listen to it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll play a portion of the song at the end of the episode. The yeah. <laughs> so everyone can get a, a nice listen to it. And then about half of the song, when Zena's not on stage, although she won the dance on stage, he says, and the second request was, Xenon is gifting her ability to dance on stage with us to her best friend, Nebula. Adorable. BFFs. And Raven is very excited. And she's a great actor in this, by the way. And this must have been, like, one of the... I don't know if she did this before, That's So Raven, but she's really good in this. She's super young. She's maybe... She's probably around 13 years old in this movie. But she was great. And so she gets on stage... She starts doing the dance that they do during the song, which is kind of like the best way I can describe it is they, during the chorus, they walk to the right first. And then when they walk to the left, they kind of cross their legs and like dip down every time. Slide kind of thing. Yeah, it's very similar to the cha-cha slide. <laughs> the movie also predicted the cha-cha Or back then, like the Macarena. <laughs> Maybe even an electric slide at that point. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so they do this dance all the time. And, like, all the members of the band do the dance, except for the drummer, I think. And there's one guy, so there was a singer who had a guitar, the main guy, Protozoa, had a like, guitar on his back the whole time. I don't think he plays it at all. And then there's, like, a bassist, a guitarist, and there's another guy in the back with the drummer. And he looked like he was, like, 57 years old. And I was like, how is that guy in the band? <laughs> and I was, like, kind of hoping it was one of the guys, like, security guys from Earth. That was like, oh, you are a rock star. You get to play with us. But it was a totally different <laughs> That would have been amazing. And if they had shown him with, with the tie on this. I would have died. Like on his head, like at a bar mitzvah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeves rolled up. <laughs> and yeah, and then we hear the, the full song for the first time. It's a song they referenced before that Xenon right, the dad are singing. And the dad and mom are at the concert. Everyone's at the concert. The whole station. The commanders rubbing up against, <laughs> rubbing up against Aunt Judy. The mom and dad are dancing; they're really into it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much how we leave it off. Well, in space. So, Joanna, for, <laughs> Joanna, for your first time seeing this, what did you think of the movie? Um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I, if I were a thirteen-year-old girl watching this, I definitely would have liked it. Uh, definitely would have liked the clothes. Yeah, it was. It was a fun movie to watch. Was this your favorite of the movies so far? Hmm. Um. I know. I know you love you lucky dog. So. It is between uh, Xenon and you lucky dog. That's fair. That makes sense. Yeah, I do think this is my favorite so far. Cordy, have you watched all the uh, other ones so far? I've watched all of them except for the unwrapped one. Oh. Okay. That's called right. But I watched all the other ones along with you guys. Um, but this one I felt just aged so well. Like I still loved watching it just as much as I loved watching it like as a kid. And I don't know if it was because of the like like the nostalgia of it, but I thought that it, I really enjoyed it. I think I got more nostalgia watching this one than any of the other ones. Although I loved Brink growing up, and it's probably close between Brink and this one, between my two favorites so far. I definitely I think I remembered more about this movie. I remember what more the characters looked like, and uh, it definitely brought me back a lot to 
when I was 10 years old, 11 years old, when I watched this the first time. Courtney, did you think that they edited some parts out of the movie? Because Sam and I were having a discussion after, and I was useless because I've never seen the movie before. I don't think so. I think the pro- like the reason why it felt that way was because it was it was a very like choppy movie. A little, like the scenes we talked about this earlier, I think like off of the podcast, but the scenes like changed so rapidly. Like you weren't on any one scene for longer than like five minutes. So even if they, it, it's possible, but I probably wouldn't have noticed it because it wasn't exactly like the most seamless transitions to begin with. Yeah, I think that's what it was for us too, is that it wasn't that, well, it definitely was like the scenes were pretty short, but it was yeah. also that there's some cuts in the scenes that like you blink and you don't know what's going, like it go straight from like Earth to like space stations. Like there wasn't even like a, a smooth transition. It just completely like the scene just kept continuing. Like they were walking down a hallway, now we're in the space station. It's like, how did they get there? What just happened? Do you think that this movie inspired the iPad? From the communicators that they were using? Yes. <laughs> This movie predicted the iPad. <laughs> Another one. I think those things looked more like like bulky calculators <laughs> than uh, than iPads. <laughs> or like when you use the calculator and computer and you like accidentally hit the scientific button and it's like takes up your entire screen. <laughs> like that's what that reminded me of. Uh, yeah, so this movie came out in 1999. It was directed by Kenneth Johnson and getting into some of the characters from it it was well first off it was it was supposed to be a television series which i'm very bummed out by that it wasn't they just made it into a bunch of movies which the other movies we'll get into when we when we watch them xenon is played by kirsten storms which is an incredible name for a human being they could have just used that name as her space name it would have sounded just as normal and she's in a different, outside of Xenon, she's in a different Disney Channel visual movie in the future. She's in Johnny Tsunami, which I'm very excited for. But we'll get to that when we get there. And obviously raven Simone, everyone knows who she is. They should have called her Raven in the movie, because that's also a, str- a strange name <laughs> they could have used. But the other actors I didn't really recognize, we went into before one of the kids who plays Andrew, the friend. His name is Brendan Richard Jefferson. And he was in Holes. He played, was the character's name? The Glasses? X-ray. Yeah, X-Ray, right. He was one of the characters from Holes. And that was really it. I didn't really recognize many of the other actors in this. So they did a good job of casting. I didn't think anyone that was, I thought the assistant was kind of a shitty actor. But besides that, I thought everyone else was pretty good. I don't know. No issues with acting. The plot kind of came together, except for the smokescreen part. But <laughs> Did you see... In the beginning, also, if you blinked, you missed it. They said that this movie was based on a book. Yeah. I didn't see that. Did you look up the book, by the way? I didn't, but I would like to. All right, so there's a book literally called Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. And this is the synopsis of the book. It's not at all like this movie. <laughs> Xenon, who lives in outer space on a space station, that part's the same, is sent to Earth to visit her grandparents for the summer. A trip that, at first, she she finds to be completely boring. But when her grandparents' dog has puppies, Xenon's opinion of the planet makes a change for the better. It sounds like a book that is right up my alley. (laughs) I think I would have enjoyed the book just as much as I enjoyed the movie. 
the stakes in that book are completely non-existent. It's just her, not, well, obviously she doesn't like me on Earth. She's like, oh, wait, dogs can have puppies? I love Earth now. That's why I love Earth. That's the only thing keeping me going these days. They have, like, mice and rats and stuff. Like, who cares? Let's have a dog there. But they only have animals on the space station for specific reasons. For testing? Yeah. For, yeah, for animal testing. <laughs> they, Aunt Judy talks about this. When Zena, I was like, what do these flowers do? And Aunt Judy's like, they just look pretty. And I found the book on Amazon. The hardcover of the book cost $43. <laughs> and it's like a children's <laughs> book. Which is, I've never spent $43 on anything in my entire life. That's <laughs> Especially not a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, so was there anything else either of you want to talk about about this movie? Oh, furthering the uh, Xenon and her parents are Jewish. She was wearing a Star of David on her collar at the beginning. She's also wearing, like, she was, vest. she's wearing, like, a pyramid with, a, with an eye in it, too, it looked like. That's, like, on the back of, like, American currency. Uh, that's a reference to the Jews being slaves in Egypt. <laughs> it's too bad they didn't show her bot mitzvah. She just turned 13. <laughs> Presumably. I bet protozoa and micro performed. <laughs> <laughs> they officiated it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't I don't have anything else to be either of you have anything. I think we covered pretty much everything in this movie. And I'm very excited for uh, to watch the second one. And the third one. Yeah, same. Can't wait to uh, learn about some Wyndham accounting. <laughs> That's the real, the real nitty gritty. That's when it gets really exciting, actually. All right, so I guess we will uh, we'll leave it off there. Uh, thank you, Courtney, for joining us. It was a pleasure hosting you here. Yeah, thank you again for having me. It was a lot of fun. So are you watching the next Xenon next? No, I think we're going to go through whatever one comes next. I think it might actually be Smart House. Ooh. is my guess and if it's not smart house i will add a little thing at the end to uh just say what movie we're doing next so i think it's smart house we'll we'll do next week and i'll try to make sure that joanna reads the uh xenon girl of the 21st century book <laughs> and we'll uh report back how good that one was because this is the second movie now based upon a book because brink was also based upon mm-hmm. that book about ice skating which was i'm sure much different than the xenon book <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll have Joanna read that and report back. So yeah, I think next is uh, next can of worms. Can of oh, can of worms. Sorry guys, sorry for all your smart house heads out there. Um, the thirteenth year could have been the theme of all of these movies. <laughs> that one's definitely about a bar mitzvah, so don't worry. <laughs> well, I'll continue to watch on the long side with you guys. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see everyone else next week. Fetus, fetus. <laughs> Oh my god. Adios. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Stargazing mega fast. You hit me like a cosmic blast. You're giving me a technicolor world. Putting me in overdrive. Speed of light, I'm so alive. Could you be my supernova girl? It's a planetary megastellar hydrostatic. There's no gravity between us. Our love is automatic. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Make my heart go. Boom, boom. My supernova girl. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Make my heart go.